Episode 4, a whirlwind tour of ancient Ethiopia. Episode 3, last night. Four episodes in four days by the look of it, by the way, it's going to be, but you know, uh, let's go for it. Okay, episode 3 turned out to be a whirlwind tour of modern Ethiopia. Modern Ethiopia, I am defining as Tedros, the Emperor Tedros, late 19th century, father of modern Ethiopia, unless you don't think he is, uh, up until today, which is Prime Minister Abiy. I noticed I was saying President Abiy. Um, I don't even know who the President of Ethiopia is. I get the sense that the power... The power brokers are the prime ministers in Ethiopia. Uh, more and more in America, the president is the powerful person. Uh, well, the current president of America is you know, grabbing power off the other legs of the tripod, as they call it. You know, the way Western um, uh, separation of powers works. You, a country tends to be a something of a tripod, and that's you know you have three independent legs holding up the tri the, the, the stool, if you like, the tripod, the stool, and if you kick one of those legs out, the stool collapses. Uh, this, that's the way most modern Western style um, governments run. So you have three independent legs, an independent judiciary, uh, an independent executive, uh, which in Australia here, that's the Governor General, and in America, the USA, that's the President. Um, And then you have the other leg of the tripod, which is, you know, in Australia, that's Parliament, and in the USA, that's Congress. Um, what do they call it in Ethiopia? I think it might be a parliament. Actually, no, I think they have something closer to a US model. You, and yet they have a prime minister. All right, something in between a Congress and um, a parliament, shall we say. Uh, all right. Um, uh, I have, uh, today, I can't just speak for 45 minutes straight because I'm running around after kids and horse riding and all this sort of stuff. So what I'll do today, this will be one that's broken up a lot. Okay, so you see, I'm going to say beep at the end of each of these. Now before you start to talk about the ancient history of anything, probably you should be aware of where you're coming from with that. Uh, You know, you can take it. You cannot think about that and just start from wherever instinctively you want to start, you know. And if I was to do that, I would probably start with, you know, a story about the Queen of Sheba uh, coming on an elephant over to uh, to come to the court of King Solomon and all that sort of stuff and chat him up and entrance him and all that sort of thing and then steal the Ark of the Covenant and uh, go back to Ethiopia. Oh, find out she's pregnant and have a baby, Menelik I, uh, you know, the first emperor of Ethiopia. I might start with that. Uh, but the thing is, before you start launching into all of that sort of stuff, um, you probably 
would serve yourself better. I'm not here to serve anyone else. I'm here to serve myself. Uh, I, I, and my children, who I'm really writing these big, these speaking these podcasts for. Um, I, I've heard other podcasters, by the way, speaking about ancient worlds, and they're they're not like me. Uh, they're better. <laughs> Uh, and they are. <laughs> they put a lot of work into them. It's amazing. I can tell. Some of them, you know, it's months between episodes, so you just know they're researching and reading all sorts of books and things like that. But me, I'm just speaking straight into my phone. No research whatsoever, other other than uh, drawing on information that I've sort of accidentally gleaned from my goddaughter and other people. Um, but uh, when it comes to Ethiopia, that is, when it comes to Rome or anywhere, anywhere else, I've, you know, I've got my information from other places, usually other podcasters. So if and when I do a podcast on Rome or somewhere else one day, um, I'll probably be reworking stuff that those podcasters have said, but in my own inimitable way, no doubt. Um, but uh, so you need to know where you're coming from. Uh, now, you cho- you've got a few choices. Um, you can do it in a linear way, uh, history in a linear way. A lot of people like doing it that way. Mike Duncan, my you know, a bit of a hero of mine, he did that with Rome. He told us, well, he gave us a history of Rome in a linear way. He started at the start and worked his way forward as a narrative. Oh, that's brilliant, that way of doing things. But for me, I don't have the time and I don't have the ability. Uh, so... Uh, I can't do it that way. You'd have to do the research and get everything in order. Uh, make sure you don't mix up the dates, you know. Uh, now, um, another linear way to go about it is to start at the end and work your way backwards. So for that one, oh, if I was going to start at the, at the start and work my way forward, I'd probably start in the Stone Age. I'd probably start with Lucy, you know, that skeleton they found in Ethiopia. I might even start with, you know, the beginning of life. Uh, now, I th- now is that 3.7 billion years ago? You know, I might start from the very first amoeba and work my way forward. I might start with the Big Bang, and then I might start with God. But uh, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I don't have the focus. Uh, now, working backwards, you, you know, if I'm doing what I'm calling ancient Ethiopia, I'd start with Tedros and work my way backwards. So I'd work my way backwards from the Age of Princes, which I discussed in the previous episodes. Uh, Now, the Age of Princes was that sort of what I see as a chaotic period between uh, before Tedros, and Tedros is credited with uh, uniting all of those warring tribes. You know, you have to be careful uh, when you're talking about these things because... You know, maybe there was a tribe sitting there and another tribe next door and they were just having a lovely time together and just meeting for Christmas lunch, you know, uh, uh, and not warring all the time. Um, we tend to focus on the exciting stuff. So if we read about some warlord marching, you know, from Tigray across to Amhara, that's the one that makes the history books. But in the history books, you don't get the long periods of time, no doubt, where two tribes are living quite harmoniously next to each other, cup of tea, you know, and as I say, Christmas lunch. Uh, Christmas lunch, Christmas lunch. Uh, That 
Now, do you remember that song? This is a digression, total digression. Do you remember Live Aid? You probably do. Live Aid was a, you know, an, a benefit concert for Ethiopia. A part of Ethiopia was going through some difficult times. A lot of people didn't even, in Ethiopia, I don't think even wanted Bob Geldof sticking his nose in and sending money, you know, it's a bit of an insult. A lot of people thought it was great, you know, and, you know, look, it was just a blip in history when they happened to be going through a famine. Who hasn't? You know, Rome went through famines. Um, now, um, Bob Geldof, he, he had a song. Do they know it's Christmas? Now, when we talk about ancient... Ethiopia. This is Bob Geldof, an Englishman, an Irishman, uh, asking the question, do they know it's Christmas? That one causes Ethiopians to have a little bit of a laugh because if anyone knows about Christmas, it's the Ethiopians. Uh, they were Christians a long time before Bob Geldof's people were. Uh, and, uh, you know, they were the f- one of the first two... Uh, one of the two first... First two... Christian you know, nations that decided to uh, have Christianity as their um, state religion. Uh, so, you know, the first Christian nations, that's Armenia and Ethiopia. Uh, but even before that, the Ethiopians consider themselves one of the 12 tribes of Judah, Judeo-Christianity, you know, uh, the Judah part of that. Um, and what we're talking about there is further back in history, into mythical times, if you like, into legendary times, back when Solomon was around and back even before then. Um, and they consider themselves, and I think they are, one of the 12 tribes of Judah. I don't care whether the 12 tribes of Judah, well, you know, uh, 12 tribes of Judah. I think there were two, two women. Oh, geez, you know, uh, there was... I'm going to get all this wrong. But Abraham, um, no, I'm not going to go there. Uh, I'll just keep going with what I'm saying. Um, now, so to a certain extent, Ethiopians were keyed into the culture that Christianity grew out of before Jesus was. Uh, so they've been Christians since before Christians were Christians, in my opinion, one way or another. Because, you know, Jesus was a reformer. Um, you know, the legendary Jesus, if you don't think he actually existed in the way that uh, the Bible would have you believe he existed, uh, doesn't matter. Uh, the point is the idea of Jesus um, derives from Judaism uh, and Ethiopians were culturally hooked into Judaism well before then. So they go way back. And then you get Bob Geldof these days singing, do they know it's Christmas, you know. Uh, a bit patronising, you know, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, Ethiopia's huge. Uh, Bob Geldof and I both come from the same stock. And the uh, fact of the matter is, you know, we were probably grunting and scratching on stones uh, when, uh, the, when the Ethiopians were um, writing. <laughs> I think I mentioned that another time. All right, now... Where were we? I've forgotten. Uh, No, I have. So I'll stop now. Yes, so I was illustrating dreaming, you know, Aboriginal dreaming, where there's a certain timelessness, um, and using the example of Hadrian and Hitler. Hadrian, the Roman emperor, and Hitler, 
the, uh, you know, the would-be German emperor. Now, uh, Hadrian, he was the first guy that destroyed Jerusalem um, for reasons I won't go into. Uh, well, the reasons were, I think, that uh, the Jews in Roman Palestine were, uh, were just not doing not doing things the Roman way. And if you don't do things the Roman way, you get war the Roman way. Uh, Bellum Romanus, I think it's called. Bellum Romanus, war the Roman way. Uh, and war the Roman way is, uh, is pretty brutal. Uh, now, um, now, you know, the Romans were always looking for unity and everyone to play things by their rules. And... Oh, the Jews just couldn't come at certain things, you know. For example, they couldn't come at worshipping Jupiter, you know, the Roman gods. And they couldn't come at worshipping, well, essentially the emperor and things like that, you know. And you could get away with that as long as the Romans didn't enforce it. But the Jews were having little uprisings and all this sort of stuff. And they were just being a pain in the ass as far as the Romans were concerned. And... One day, you know, it all got out of hand. Hadrian said, right, the place has got to go. And he went down there. Uh, what would this be? 70-something AD? Uh, I don't use BC and, uh, BCE and CE. I use AD only out of respect for Rome, who invented the system. Uh, I... It's not for any religious reason. I'm not religious. Uh, but, you know, I don't care if it's before Christ. We use the Roman calendar system, so, you know, say BC and say AD as far as I'm concerned. But if you don't want to, use BC, BCE. Anyway, he went down there maybe 70-something AD um, and Hadrian had levelled the joint. Um, absolute slaughter. Just... Uh, and... Uh, I, I, you know, barely a brick left standing um, and raised the temple. Uh, and now, was that the second temple? Uh, there was Solomon's temple. Maybe there was another temple, um, but a very important temple. And it was utterly destroyed by the Romans. And... The Jews were scattering to the four winds, all the ones that didn't get killed. Uh, and that was the moment, I believe, that the Jews were kicked out of their homeland. Uh, you know, that's the one they talk about, you know. For 2,000 years, we were scattered to the four winds, you know. And that was Hadrian's fault. Uh, and I think Hadrian's son carried on the good work as well. Uh, now, uh, so, Hadrian... What a Hitler, you know. Now, one of the places that the Jews were scattered into was up north of the Roman Empire, up into, you know, Germanic lands and uh, Russia and all the way up there. You know, basically Hadrian was saying, just get them out of my sight, you know. Uh, it wasn't very nice for it to be a Jew at that time. And... Um, and I guess that, and they became part of the cultures up there, and the, um, and that's where Hitler found them, and many, many, many years, you know, two thousand years later, almost, and um, Hitler thought, I'm going to do what Hadrian did, uh, and Third Reich, and all that sort of thing, and 
you know, went the slaughter again, except up there this time. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the Romans, you know, planted a different, had a, uh, encouraged a different population in Palestine, and now they've been there for 2,000 years, uh, and that's home for them, you know, like, put it this way, my, the Huns, my goddaughter, the Hungarians, you know, which come down from the Huns and others, um, they've only been there for 1,000 years. And my God, have you seen uh, the Huns digging in, the Hungarians digging in lately, you know, when Europe is telling them that they should share their land with others, um, you know, refugees and all this sort of thing. Uh, the Hungarians say, no, get stuffed, you know, we're building walls. Uh, so now they've, they feel that they super belong in Hungary, the Hungarians, and they've only been there for a thousand years. Now, the Palestinians have been there for, you know, what you might call the Palestinians, you know, uh, have been there for 2,000 years, you know, for Hadrian's fault. But point is, they've been there for 2,000 years and they feel that's home. And then, But the Jews have got, the Jews have got long memories. Um, and they say, well, we want it back too, you know, so two people belong there. Always a problem. Uh, now, but the Aboriginal dreaming would go like this, that Hadrian had happened just yesterday. Hadrian is happening now to them. And also the Holocaust is happening to them now. You know, that's, uh, that's how I picture the dreaming. That's one way of looking at history in a non-linear way where you're just looking at everything at once. Uh, is that, the, is that uh, Indigenous dreaming? Maybe. Now, uh, and, you know, if you're going to cry for your people, uh, you would be just as horrified by Hadrian as you were by Hitler at any given moment in time. You know, if I was a Jew right now, uh, I wouldn't be hating Hitler any more than I was hating Hadrian. I'd be hating them both the same at the same time as if both of them are doing it to me now. Uh, so that's a dreaming approach. Now, what, a, what approach am I taking? You know, I've been, through the, I've been through a few, a linear way of looking at history. And there's a dreaming way of his, looking at history. Uh, a thematic way of looking at history. Well, I'm going to go with a different one. I am trying. I'm going to go with a an I don't care approach to history, which sounds not very nice, as I said in the previous episode. But there's some method in my madness. Ah. Uh, in the world today, everybody cares probably too much. You know, everyone's passionate. Now, I'm not on social media, haven't been for years, and even when I was, I was on there for a joke, doing my aliases, uh, and, you know, not even being me, uh, false names and all that sort of stuff, false personalities. Uh, but, uh, I, so I've never been on social media as such, giving my own personal opinion or anything like that, and... Uh, a don't care approach. Uh, let me put it this way. If nobody in the world cared at 
the moment. You know, like, nobody cared whether Trump got in or Trump didn't get in. Nobody cared about the refugees or... Yeah, I don't know. Nobody cared about anything. Nobody cared about politics. No one cared enough to be conservative or progressive. Then I'd probably care. But I think everyone cares so much at the moment that... Maybe there needs to be a few people, even though it sounds terrible, stepping aside and not being involved in that and not caring. Uh, and yet, being highly respectful. So, take Ethiopia for example. There are people who, before they even know anything about Ethiopia, they say, oh my God. What a beautiful culture. You know, that'd be a lovely place to go. I love Ethiopians, you know, and all that sort of stuff, you know. You probably know that sort of person. And I, if I hear that and I kind of know they know nothing about Ethiopia, I go, uh, I think you're caring too much, you know. Um, or you might get on the other side of the fence, you know. Um, I hate Ethiopians, you know. And, um, you know, I, I know some Ethiopians and I hate them. And you say, oh, what are their names? Don't know their names, just hate them. All right, so there's, that's another, you know, they care too much. But, you know, I've been, I've chatted, had long chats with Ethiopians uh, in a, um, uh, bars and barbecues and here and there. And I come at it from a position of, uh, I'm just curious, you know, uh, but full of respect, you know. You tell me what, what's going on in Ethiopia and I'm curious. I'm really interested. I'm definitely interested, you know. And as far as I can see, people like that. Uh, you know, if I came in saying, uh, oh, you are such beautiful people. Uh, tell me more about how beautiful you are. I don't think they'd respect me. Uh, and that's where I'm coming from, you know. I reckon... Ethiopians are probably a lot like my people, uh, wherever I come from. They're probably a pack of bastards sometimes. Probably great, great people other times. Um, probably really nice people sometimes. Probably really horrible. It's probably a heap of Ethiopians that are petty, you know, and heaps of Ethiopians that are noble, all that sort of stuff. But the point is... Uh, you know, I just want to take it on face value. So that's where I'm coming from in my don't care approach. And I'm trying to take that don't care approach and I reiterate that I'm only doing this because the public discourse these days is white hot. You know, there's too much heat in it. Uh, nobody's kicking back and just saying, let's just have a chat about it all, you know. Let's not have opinions. Let's have a dialectic as my goddaughter and I say, you know, uh, let's let's just chat about it, you know. Uh, what are your politics, Danny? You know, no, I don't have any. No, you've got to have some, you know, or else you're a bad person. No, I don't care. You know, there's plenty of people with. Uh, we're in no danger of having a shortage of people with po political opinions. So, you know, if there, if we did have a shortage of people with political opinions, I'd probably have a political opinion. But, you know, the left and the right and the conservatives and the progressives they're just going at each other hammer and tongs at the moment and just shouting all the time and calling each other names you know someone tries to put up a, uh, a bit of an idea you know and uh, they are immediately called you know a commie or a nazi or something like that you know someone says oh you know um i think xyz 
And they say, that's because you're a Nazi, you know? And they say, oh, well, that's the end of that discussion, you know? And that's public discourse these days, I think, in the, in the public domain at least. I'm sure there's some sensible conversations going around uh, dinner tables still, like the old days. Uh, <laughs> the old days probably weren't so good either, but you get where I'm coming from. Right, so that's that. Uh, so that's where I'm coming from. Uh, and that didn't end up a whirlwind tour of ancient Ethiopia, did it? Uh, so I will rename this episode as a segue, and then I'll make the next episode a whirlwind uh, tour of ancient uh, Ethiopia. So I got off track. Now, where's my button? Sorry, my phone's locked. Here we go. Aha, I remember what I was saying. Yes, before you start talking about the history of a place like Ethiopia or anywhere else, you have to think where are you coming from. So there's a linear way of coming at history. Start at the start and work your way forwards or start at the end and work your way backwards. Uh, Now, uh, there's other ways. There's thematic ways of uh, investigating or chatting about history. So you could... Uh, decide to come at Ethiopia from a political standpoint, from a social standpoint, and you know, and then move on to a religious, you know, come at it from a religious angle, and then you could come at it from a tribal angle, and all that sort of thing, a racial angle, you know, because you've got they're essentially, as far as I can tell, a mixture of Semitic and whatever the indigenous mobs were in um, Ethiopia before the Semites came up from Semite land, which I take to mean somewhere over near Saudi Arabia, Mesopotamia and all that sort of stuff. Um, Abraham came out of uh, Ur, uh, legend legend has it, uh, and across into Canaan. Now, all this is actually going to end up relevant because, you know, the Ethiopians feel they're tied into this and DNA uh, would bear this out we don't know in what way they were linked in but um but you know abraham came across to canaan um he you know god spoke to him in the middle of the night maybe and said you know there's um we're going i'm going to promise you this other land you know a little bit like um you imagine god coming to the captain of the first fleet in australia and said um we are promising you this great southern land uh, so you know get on get on your bike get in your ship and go over there and it's yours you know and you know the first fleet gets here oh my god there's aborigines here they already knew that but don't worry about that uh, so and then the uh the first fleet lands and and um starts locking up aborigines for trespassing you know that was pretty much what the abraham did eventually or his uh, descendants um he came across um promised land promised land you know canaan beautiful and gets there and oh my god there's canaanites there what are they doing there you know and the canaanites say oh, we, 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 we live here as uh eddie izzard put it uh, eddie izzard put it one time um we live here and uh and the, and abraham says well get out you know it's ours uh legally it's legally ours god said 
And the canines, you know, say, no, get stuffed, you know. Um, and on and on it goes. I think the Canaanites might have resisted Abraham early on. Was he pushed up towards the north of Egypt for a while and had to sit up there and, you know, sort of make a little fake wailing wall and everybody sat there and um, said, oh, we can't wait to get into Canaan, you know. And, and then finally ended up, big, uh, well, I think they ended up coming down there and... Um, had their moments, um, sort of started warring. Now, there's a wonderful passage in the Bible, uh, Deuteronomy. Uh, And Deuteronomy uh, outlines what I'm talking about, you know, where the Israelites... And and we're all like this, you know. We all... We we British uh, were a bit like this. Um... We come to another land, someone's in it, we want to be, we want to have it. So we sort of say, well, all right, here's the rules. We slaughter everybody. Now, the British didn't quite do that in uh, Australia. Um, <laughs> I think that was a more a Spanish thing over in South America. But, you know, in spirit, um, one way or another, we kind of wanted to do a little bit of get rid of this culture and, and get them to be us instead. So, the Israelites did all that sort of thing. Now, um, so the Semites did all this sort of thing, you know. And I imagine the uh, Semites did end up in Ethiopia. Now, the Semites were the master race of their time. They were technologically more advanced. It's good to be technologically more advanced, you know. If you can catch another mob at a point in time where you're technologically advanced and culturally advanced, whatever you might want to call that in in a military way, um, and you can catch another mob uh, napping. Uh, You know, I think the Europeans did that with the African continent. They caught them napping. Uh, The Europeans got a jump on the African continent uh, and technologically, you know, the Industrial Revolution and all that sort of thing and uh, had a scramble and said, scramble, you know, we're in front quick and grabbed all of Africa, colonised it, except for Ethiopia and um, and to a certain extent um, that's what humans do sometimes, you know uh, if you're in front, take advantage of it uh, so um, so, oh, look, all of this is about... Anyway, one way or another, the Semites ended up in what we now call Ethiopia. Now, did they, did they come via Canaan? Did they come straight down and hop in there and just say they came from Solomon? We, I don't know. Uh, maybe, as, maybe Ethiopians could enlighten me. Uh, but one way or another, Semites ended up marrying into the indigenous mobs in Ethiopia, it would appear, uh, because, you know, well, the Semites are lighter coloured, the uh, Africans further south of Ethiopia are pretty black, and the the Ethiopians are kind of in between, light brown, so you can sort of do some maths on this stuff sometimes. Um, You know, it's either a coincidence that you've got black, brown, white, uh, or black, black, brown, olive, and then go a bit further up and you've got white, you know, um, up in Europe. Uh, But I'm happy to do some maths and say, all right, 
there's some intermarrying going on here, plus a few other factors and vitamin D deficiencies and whatever else is going on. Right, now the Semites ended up in Ethiopia. Uh, so, which wasn't called Ethiopia then. So, now if I was to go that approach, I'd be doing something linear. I'm not a linear sort of guy, you probably noticed. Uh, I'm already not doing it this in a linear way, am I? Uh, uh, and there's thematic ways, you know, you could do it from a religious aspect, you know, um, for example. All right, uh, a, a very interesting one, uh, an angle to come at history, from which to come at history, uh, is uh, something that the indigenous people of Australia seem to do. And, you know, I've never quite been able to get myself into that frame of mind. It, I would have to do... I would, you know, I have this way of sitting and um, getting my brain or my mind into a certain uh, mind frame before I start talking about things. Uh, and there's a thing that Indigenous people of Australia have called the, in, the dreaming, which I've never got my head around. But this dreaming is a, a timeless way of looking at things. Now, I won't be doing anything from that, you know, maybe one time when, if I do a, uh, try and do a history of uh, Indigenous Australia, I might have to get good at that, but I'm not good at that. But all I can imagine is that, uh, now there, that if something happens two or 3,000 years ago, you're not, you don't think about that. It happened, it's happening now. You know, so if if something bad happened three thousand years ago, and something bad happened yesterday, and it was the same sort of thing, let's say, you know, someone knocked someone else on the head, both events are equally upsetting. Now, I mention this because let's take uh, the experience of the Jews, uh, because I do want to talk about them, because I think a lot of Africans consider Ethiopians the Jews of Africa. Uh, now, um, the Jews, for example. All right. Now, there's two huge characters in Jewish history uh, in a bad way. And those two characters are the Roman Emperor Hadrian and the German Chancellor Hitler. Now, uh, Hadrian, the Roman Emperor, Emperor who we quite admire in the West, you know, Hadrian's Wall and, oh, very wise emperor because he recognised that the empire shouldn't expand any further, so he consolidated what he had. Um, he was one of the five good emperors, so he wasn't a Caligula, you know, he wasn't a bad one, he wasn't Nero. Um, so, you know, Hadrian, Trajan and all those guys, they came along at a good time. And, um, hey, John. Just a second.